can we, can we just agree on, on one thing, please, this morning up front? Good-looking people have it easier in life. Can we agree on that? If a good-looking stranger smiles at you, you think to yourself, what a nice person. Right? If a not-so-good-looking stranger smiles at you, you think to yourself, I wonder what they want. Right? Good-looking people have it easier in life. Right? This explains why my life is a lot harder than many of yours. Why it's a lot harder than my wife's. I, have a, I live a much harder life than my wife. And this explains it, I think. We also agree that it's a lot easier to be humble when you've got lots to be humble about. Right? So the, the academic honors student doesn't need to brag about the A that he got in history. Okay? But if it's the only distinction that you got, you better believe that 20 odd years later you're still going to be speaking about it. All right? Don't take that one thing away from me. It's easy to be humble when you've got lots to be humble about. Friends, I want to speak to you about this morning about denial. And it's easy to deny yourself when you've got lots to deny yourself about. Um, what COVID has done, COVID has exposed and COVID has caused lack in so many people. It's highlighted for us where we've always lacked and it's created more lack in us. And what happens is when we lack things, we tend to not deny ourselves the few things that we had, right? Don't take the one distinction I got away from me. That's all I've got left of my academic, cool, my academic career at high school, right? Don't take it away from me. And so lack causes us to not deny ourselves like we should. To deny yourself when it doesn't, it's easy to deny yourself when it doesn't cost you something. But for it to be true denial, it has to cost you something. So let me ask you this. When was the last time that you denied yourself? When was the last time you denied yourself? Something that was within your means, something that was within your ability and your rights to have, and you chose to deny yourself for the sake of your faith or for the sake of somebody else's faith. See, I think so many of us think that we, we're denying ourselves when in actual fact we're just living in lack. We're not denying ourselves, we're just living in lack. To deny yourself means you have the means and the ability to do it. You have the right to do it or say it or partake in it or whatever. And you choose for the sake of your faith and for the sake of somebody else's faith not to do it, not to say it, not to have it, not to partake in it. When was the last time you denied yourself? You see, friends, true denial is costly. True denial costs us something. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says this. Excuse me. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Eugene Peterson translates the Bible into a paraphrase version, phrase for phrase instead of word for word. And he calls the translation the message. It's not a full translation, but it is a paraphrase of the Bible. And I, I love the way it puts certain scriptures. And uh, this one is one that I do love. It says this in the message version. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. How many of you have been worked on by Jesus? Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of a, a deal is it to get everything you want but to lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? See, Jesus says, not John, Jesus says, if you want to be a Christian, the only way that you can do that is through denial, through self-denial, through denying yourself. 
I think, I think we, friend, we spend so much time denying others that we hardly ever deny ourselves. Or if we do deny ourselves, we deny, thing, we deny ourselves things that are actually not costly, right? It doesn't cost us much to deny ourselves a chalky milk at Wimpy. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't cost us much. That actually benefits us, right? It saves us money and it saves us trips to the gym. So many of us think that to deny ourselves mean I don't take a chocolate at Checkers and I don't have a milkshake at Wimpy. That's how I deny myself. No, friends, that's just lack. I'm lacking a milkshake and I'm lacking a chocolate. That's not self-denial. We're going to get into what denial, uh, how we should deny ourselves a little bit later. See, in the world, the more you eat, the less hungry you become, right? That's science. The more you eat, the less hungry you become. The kingdom of God is opposite to the kingdom of this earth. The kingdom of God is opposite to everything in this world. In the kingdom of God, the more I eat of something, the more I want it. The more I eat of something, the hungrier I become for it. And so what will happen is as I begin to uh, deny myself, as I, when I deny myself once, when I deny myself twice, the more I eat of it, the hungrier I become for it. Max, you can go to the next slide there. As I, as I, uh, the more I eat of it, the hungrier I become for it. And so uh, denial starts to become a habit for me. I start looking for opportunities to deny myself. At the same time, I'm, I'm wholly satisfied with what I have, but I still am hungry for more of it. To deny myself means that I give up any and all rights that I have, any and all rights that I have. Friends, all of us listening to this today are free to hold on to our rights. All of us sitting here today, we're free to hold on to every one of our rights. But the only way to follow Jesus, not according to John, but according to Jesus, is to deny your rights, to give up your rights. So you can come to church, you can be a good person, and you can hold on to all of your rights. But if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, Jesus seems to make it quite simple. Lay down your rights, let go of your rights, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. See, the goal of Christianity isn't to be a better version of myself, it's to be a more accurate version of Jesus. If the goal is to be a better version of myself, then I can come to church and I can, I can hold on to all of my rights. I don't need to deny myself, I just need to perhaps drink a little bit less, swear a little bit less, become a little bit of a kinder person, kick the dog less, right? I become a better person, just a better version of myself. No, friends, Jesus says, if you want to be a Christian, then you need to deny yourself, give up all of your rights, and follow me. The goal of Christianity isn't for you to come and sit on a Sunday and become a better version of yourself. That's just moral regeneration, right? That's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is for me to be a more accurate version of Jesus. And the only way for me to do that is to deny myself. If it's, because if I don't deny myself, I will follow myself, and I will deny Jesus. I have to deny myself so that I can follow Jesus. Unfortunately, so many of us are in the habit of denying ourselves the stuff that feeds our souls, and we don't deny ourselves the stuff that leaves us spiritually malnourished. We deny ourselves the wrong things. It's the, it's the spiritual equivalent of saying, I'm going to deny myself vegetables and eat ice cream. It's not a big denial, right? It doesn't cost you much. Well, I, I've, got a, I've got a child, I, one of my children, that is a cost. He doesn't eat ice cream. He doesn't enjoy ice cream, so I'm a little bit stuck as to, if you don't eat that, I'm not going to give you ice cream. He says, fine, I don't want the ice cream anyway. It's a, if, if you've got a solution, you can come talk to me afterwards. See, the problem is we convince ourselves that it's, that it's better for us because it tastes good, because it doesn't take us out of our comfort zone. It doesn't force us to chew and swallow every mouthful really slowly. It doesn't leave a bitter taste in our mouth, and so we convince ourselves it's better for us. 
but it also ends up costing us our health and our energy and our fitness. And the same thing happens to our spirituality. When we don't deny ourselves, friends, we end up spiritually unfit and unhealthy. And I think it's fair in that circumstance to ask the question, based on Jesus' words here, if you are not denying yourself, are you a Christian? I think it's fair to ask the question, are you a Christian? When was the last time you denied yourself? Something that was within your means and ability and rights to do, but you denied yourself for the sake of others. You see, denying yourself is a barrier for so many following Jesus. People don't deny themselves, and because they don't deny themselves, they never follow Jesus. But they still come to church. Many of them still come to church. We know that coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Being a good person doesn't make you a Christian. Remember that the goal of Christianity is not to make you a better version of yourself, but to make you a more accurate representation of Jesus. What makes you a Christian is that you deny yourself, you give up your rights, you die to yourself, acknowledging that you can't save yourself, and you follow Jesus. You're born not only of the flesh, but of the Spirit. You die the death that He died so that you can live the life that He lived and be with Him for eternity. That's what makes you a Christian. Friends, I suspect that there's many people who consider themselves Christians, who consider themselves nice people, but I don't think that they deny themselves and follow Jesus. And as a pastor, I can't stand here before you this morning and say, I'm convinced that you are a Christian and you are going to heaven. I can't tell you that. I'm not sure. I think when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to how we spend our eternity, we need to be as sure as we can about how I'm spending my eternity, right? This is, this is not an important matter. This is the only matter that counts. We need, to make, we need to be pretty sure. If we are living lives that are self-serving, self-indulgent, selfish, and not self-denying, based on Jesus' words here, I'm not sure if our salvations, if our eternity is secure. I'm not sure. And I think we should be sure. What also happens is that our evangelism efforts fall short when the gospel that we present is self-centered and self-serving and not self-sacrificial. See, friends, the world doesn't need a religious way to be selfish. The world's selfish enough as it is. It doesn't need a religious way to be more selfish. And so when we say to our friends who don't know Jesus, why don't you, why, why don't you come and be a Christian? If you look at my life, I'm a good representation of what happens to a person when you follow Jesus, but yet I'm self-centered and self-serving. And, and your friends are like, and then? Then what? I don't need a religious way to be selfish. I'm selfish as it is. The gospel that we present has to be one of self-sacrifice, of self-denial. Because if it's not, friends, it, it, it impacts not only on our faith, but it impacts on the faith of everyone around us. It's a selfish gospel and not a self-sacrificial gospel. I spoke about prayer two weeks ago, and sometimes our prayers go unanswered because they're self-serving. It doesn't matter how many times I plead, how many times I ask and I pray in Jesus' name and I declare it, God doesn't answer self-serving prayers. He doesn't answer self, uh, selfish prayers, right? Jesus says, uh, ask of anything 
in my name on earth and it will be given to you, right? But before he says that, he says, deny yourself and follow me. So before he says, ask of anything, he says, deny yourself. Why? Because when I begin to deny myself, as I, as I get in the habit of denying myself, remember the more that I eat of it, the hungrier I become for it. And so as I begin to deny myself more and more, so self-denial becomes a habit. And what happens is as, as I'm in the habit of self-denial, so my desires begin to change and I begin to desire not selfish things, but selfless things. I begin to, to desire the things of the kingdom. And from that place, I then ask for, for, for anything in Jesus' name, and he gives it to me because I'm now asking for the right things. Friends, so many of us want to ask for anything in Jesus' name before we've denied ourselves, and we, we're asking for the wrong things. We can ask for selfish things in Jesus' name. He's not going to give them to us. Deny yourself comes before ask for anything. They have, it has to go in that order. Otherwise, it's we're shouting, our prayers are just shouting into the wind. Friends, if, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel as if your prayers are shouting into the wind, it could be, it could be that your prayers are just self-centered and selfish. You haven't denied yourself. And so therefore you're not following Jesus and you're asking for the wrong things. A man called Lewis Pugh was uh, the first man to swim uh, in the Arctic, to swim, uh, circumnavigate the Arctic, right? He swam across the Arctic. Um, and he sat down with an interviewer and said, Tell us how you prepared for this. This is a proper, a proper thing that you've done, right? It's, it's sub-zero temperatures in the water. There's floating ice everywhere. There's sharks and seals and moving icebergs. We know what they did to the Titanic. This is a proper thing, right? This is not just a physical thing. This is mental and emotional. This is like taking you to the depths, right? So how did you prepare for it? So he said, he answered this. My, my preparation was actually quite tricky. He said, I couldn't just go and sit in an ice bath because if I just went and sat in an ice bath every day, then what happened was my body became comfortable sitting in an ice bath. It became comfortable in sub-zero temperatures. He said, that's not the goal. I needed to be taken to a place of discomfort every single day. I needed my body to be comfortable being uncomfortable. All right? Otherwise, I'd just get used to ice water. And that's not, that's, not, that's not the goal. The goal is not to be used to ice water. The goal is to get my body used to being Comfortable being uncomfortable. Friends, denial is a habit in itself, but it's no good getting into the habit of just denying yourself sweets because then all that happens is you don't have sweets and it's no longer denial, it's just a lack of sweets. The goal is to, be, is to continually put yourself in a position of being uncomfortable in your flesh for the sake of your spirit, for the sake of your faith. Denial itself is the habit, not what you are denying yourself, Right? So he, he actually had a team of creative people around him helping him prepare who would design tasks every day to put him in uncomfortable situations, mentally, emotionally, physically, putting, putting himself in uncomfortable situations, right? You know, one of the most uncomfortable things is the fear of the unknown. So the, he said, design this program, don't tell me what it is. I don't want to know because I want to be uncomfortable every single day so that my body gets used to being uncomfortable. Friends, we... We have to put our bodies through the same and our spirits through the same uh, process, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. We have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. So many of us run from discomfort. So many of us avoid discomfort because if it's discomfort, if it's uncomfortable, it can't be God. I think it's the opposite of that, friends. I think very often when we are in the most uncomfortable place, that's where God is leading us, right? Here's what happens when we don't deny ourselves. We become defined by self. When we don't deny ourselves, we, be, we become defined by self. 
self-centered, self-indulgent, and we become afflicted with self-pity. Self-centered, self-indulgent, and afflicted with self-pity. I say we're afflicted by self-pity because self-pity can be a terrible thing. What self-pity says is that I was wronged, right? It, it, it acknowledges that I was wronged, and then what it does is it, it proceeds to justify a whole host of other selfish, destructive behavior all in the name of I was wronged. That's what self-pity does. And when, when we become defined by self, self-centered and self-indulgent, what happens is we get afflicted with self-pity. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it seems that true happiness eludes people who are defined by self. True happiness seems to elude people defined by self. The self-centered, the self-indulgent, and the, the self-pitying never seem to be happy. Have you noticed that? The one thing that I've noticed is that happiness seems to make its home with the humble. Happiness makes its home with the humble. Because James chapter 4 says that God opposes the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. And when I deny myself, what I'm doing is I'm humbling myself. See, pride, pride is the opposite of self-denial. Pride is the opposite of humility. The root of all sin is pride. And so when I humble myself, that's why God gives me grace. When I am prideful, that's why God opposes me, because it is the root of all sin. It is the opposite of self-denial. Friends, some of us are waiting for miracles, and we're praying for miracles. We're praying for breakthrough in certain areas, and sometimes God is waiting for your top participation in the miracle, and your participation, what God requires of you, is for you to humble yourself so that he can give you grace. Some of you are opposed by God currently because you are prideful in certain areas, and God opposes you. I'm, I'm happy to take on opposition. I'm happy to take on big opposition. I'm happy to run at mountains, and I'm happy to run I'm happy to run at opposition and take them on, but I'm not happy to take on God as my opposition. And some of us are opposed by God because we are prideful. No, friends, sometimes we just need to deny ourselves. Humble yourself. Deny yourself. So it's all good and well. We need to deny ourselves, right? Fine. How do we do that? If it's not, if it's not just not taking sweets at checkers and not having a milkshake at Wimpy, how do we deny ourselves? A couple of quick examples and then we're done. Number one, we deny our emotions the realm of truth. We deny our emotions the realm of truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame. On their heads. Friends, we, we live in such an emotionally charged environment at the moment. If I say something, if I say anything, I'm going to get clapped by somebody on this side or somebody on that side. And if I say nothing, I'm going to get clapped by both of them for saying nothing. That's the emotionally charged environment that we live in in the moment. And we have to deny our emotions. We know that our emotions are not a good guide. But as a pastor, I see people being led by their emotions, being guided by their emotions every single day. We know that our emotions are not a good guide, and yet we still follow them. What happens is we are, we, we're elevating our emotions to the realm of truth. We elevate our feelings to the realm of truth. Just because I feel something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Friends, my emotions are subject to the truth. My emotions are not indicators of truth. They are subject to the truth. And so many people f think that they're following the truth because it feels right. We elevate our emotions to the realm of truth. I don't have a right to take revenge, the scripture says in Romans, just because it feels right. 
I don't have a right to think and say anything that I want just because it feels right. I feel my emotions, but I don't, but I deny them entering the realm of truth. Don't suppress your emotions, but I, don't suppress your emotions, but also don't allow them to enter into the realm of truth. Emotions are feelings that need to be felt, not truths that need to be obeyed. Can we just put our emotions in the right place? Emotions are feelings that need to be felt, not truths that need to be obeyed. And I deny myself by not allowing my emotions into the realm of truth. Number two, I deny myself by denying our rights to be liked. We deny our rights to be liked. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 says this, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Everyone wants to have friends. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be popular, right? That's not a problem. Everybody, no, nobody wants to be a party pooper. If, if we had a balloon, everybody wants to be the person blowing it up, not the person sticking a pin in it, right? No one wants to be a party pooper. Problem is there comes a time in my life and there comes a time in your life when I need to be a party pooper, when I need to deny my rights to be popular, when I need to deny my rights to be liked. I was speaking to a man this week and he was telling me about a situation that he was in a few months ago that he was really uncomfortable with and he never spoke up and said anything about it. And I was sitting having breakfast with him and he asked me a really honest, raw question. He said to me, do you think I didn't speak up in that instance because I wanted people to like me or because I didn't know what to say? And I said to him, I think it was probably a bit of both. I think it's probably a bit of both. And friends, a little bit of both probably lives in all of us. We've all been in situations where we're faced with a choice to be liked and popular or to say something that we genuinely believe. We don't have a right to be popular. We don't have a right to be liked by everybody. I deny myself by giving up the right to be liked. If I need to be offensive, I don't go out of my way to be offensive. I don't go looking to offend people. But if I, if I need to offend people over being liked because of what I believe, then I'm prepared to do it. I don't have a right to be liked. I deny myself by giving up the right to be liked. Number three, uh, we deny our right to hate. I deny myself by denying my right to hate. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 says this, You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. This is Jesus talking. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. The world we live in is currently built on a false dichotomy. A dichotomy is, is two, two sides, right? And it's a false dichotomy because what the world does is it forces us to take one of two opinions. It says it's, it's, it's either this or that. It's either black or it's white. Either you vote EFF or you're racist. Either you, either you support uh, kill the farmers, it's just don't kill the farmers, stop farm murders, or you're racist. Those are the two options, right? No, friends. There's plenty of gray area. There's plenty of space in between those two opinions. And what the world does is it forces us further and further apart and it polarizes further and further apart from each other. It forces us to a place where the further I get this side, I, start to, I have to hate the people that side because if I don't, then I'm not truly on this side and I might as well be on that side. That's what the world says to us. It forces us into a false dichotomy, one of two sides. Friends, I don't have a right to hate. I don't have a right to hate people who think differently, believe differently, look differently, act differently from me. I have no right to do that. The Bible says, Jesus says, I don't even have a right to hate my true enemies. Those that wrong me, those that harm me, those that don't want the best, they want the worst for me. I've got those. 
I've got those people. More men than women, but I've got them. I'm sure you do too. Bible says, Jesus says, I don't have a right to hate those people. I give up my right to hate. I know that holding on to anger and hate feels nice in the moment. I know that it does because I've done it. It feels nice in the moment, but it's the spiritual equivalent of sugar. It tastes nice, but it leads to diabetes, paralysis, and death. That got real dark real quick. Right? That's what, that's what holding on to anger and hate does for us. I don't have a right to hate anybody. I deny myself by letting go of my, my right to hate. Number four, I deny my rights to culture. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and their officials flaunt the authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Jesus says, the culture of the leaders around you is this, but not for you. With you, it has to be different. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a student of culture. I want to understand how cultures are formed and how cultures are lived out through a value set in a community. But the culture that I'm born with is far less important than the culture that I'm adopted into. The culture that I'm born with is far less important than the culture that I'm adopted into. The culture that I'm adopted into is a culture of the kingdom, the culture of the Bible, and that, that a culture is far more important than what I was born with. See, where, where, my, where the culture that I was born with and the culture that I was adopted into can coexist, where they can live together, then they must, and it's good. But where there's a clash, one of them has to give way, and it has to be the culture that I was born with, not the culture that I was adopted into. I was uh, sitting with a young man a while ago speaking about culture, both of us seeking to understand and learn. And I said to him, our culture, the culture at Anthem, shouldn't be, isn't and shouldn't be a culture that seeks to make black people white or that seeks to make white people black or that seeks to make Indian people colored or colored people Indian. That's a poor culture. I think our culture is and it should always be that our goal is to become better Christians because as I become a better Christian, I'll become a better white man. I said to him, as you become a better Christian, as you become a better follower of Jesus, you will become a better Zulu man. But if your, if your goal is to become a better Zulu man, you probably won't become a better Christian. And if my goal is to become a better white man, I probably won't become a better Christian. But if our goal together is to become a better Christian, that doing that will make you a better Zulu man and it will make me a better white man. I deny my culture. The culture that I was born with is far less important than the culture that I've been adopted into. I have no rights to my culture. Dallas Willard says this, Christians become mean when we value being right over being Christ-like. When we value being right, holding on to our rights, over being Christ-like, when that becomes more important, we become mean. There's too many mean Christians. I deny myself by denying, by denying my culture in favor of his. Number five, we deny our rights to complain around the bra or the shisanyama, depends where you eat. We deny our rights to complain around the bra. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I know that this is a favorite of most people. I know that because it's sometimes a favorite of mine. Here's the thing though. If I was preaching this in Australia, I would have said deny your rights to complain around the barbie around the barbecue, right? This is not a South African problem. This is a human problem. Complaining is a human problem. 
We all know that things are not the way that they could be, the way that they should be, or the way that they would be if you were the supreme leader of the world. We know that. But complaining about it does nothing to solve it. All it does is it sucks us into a negative vortex of toxicity that sucks all the joy and the life of our, out of us. Man, some people can't open their mouths without complaining. Philippians chapter 2, do everything without complaining. You know, you know the people that talk about constructive criticism? I just want to offer you some constructive criticism, yet all they ever offer is con- criticism and complaints, and they never construct anything. I've got a simple rule of thumb. I'm, I'm prepared to accept criticism. I'm, I'm very open. I'm very prepared to accept criticism. But I only accept criticism from people that have more than criticism to offer. If all, you ha- if all you have to offer is criticism, I'm not interested. It might be valid and it might be good, but I won't receive it. I'm very open to criticism, genuinely. You can ask my wife. She criticizes me a lot. Because she has more than criticism to offer. I only accept criticism from people who have more than criticism to offer. Friends, if, if the greatest thing that you bring to your organization, to your group of friends, is that you complain the loudest, the longest, and the most accurately, might I suggest that perhaps you are not in the habit of denying yourself. You're holding on to your right to complain. I've noticed that humble people seem to complain a whole lot less than prideful people. Humble people seem to complain a whole lot less than prideful people. Friends, we deny ourselves by giving up our right to complain. Number six, and lastly, we deny ourselves by giving up our right to rebel against authority. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials that he has appointed. For the, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. How's this? It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's God's will. I just lost my scripture. That's amazing. Give me a second. Yes, I was on a roll there too. <laughs> it's God's will that your honorable lives will silence ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Peter says, I want you to understand the context that Peter writes this to. It's written to people that are scattered under Roman rule. The, the, the Roman regime was one of the most brutal and um, oppressive regimes of all time. And he writes to those people and he says, the way that you submit to the authorities will silence, that's God's will, how, how you submit to them will silence the, accuse, the accusations of ignorant people. Friends, some of us are sitting out today being accused of certain things that you, prob- that you perhaps haven't done. And you're sitting under constant accusation, constant accusation. It's God's will that through your submission to authority, your, your life of humility, your life of honor would silence accusations. And some of us sit under accusations time and time again because we're not submitted to authority. At school, at work, at home, in government, submit to the authorities over you. There's no greater way to deny yourself than to feel justified in disobeying an authority, but to submit anyway. There's no greater way. And the good, the good way to judge that is how uncomfortable it feels. It feels very comfortable. When I feel justified disobeying an authority, it feels comfortable to disobey it. I've got no problem. But it really, really grates me when I have to disobey, when I, when I have to obey, when I choose to, and obey, to obey an authority in that circumstance. It really gets to me. And that's a good indicator that I'm uncomfortable. Remember, the goal is to be comfortable, 
being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable in my flesh for the sake of my spirit. I speak with kids who come from homes with parents that don't know Jesus. One of the best ways that you can put your faith on display to unbelievers is in how you submit to their authority when you believe that they're wrong and you're right. One of the best ways you can put your faith on display. Remember we spoke about the, 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 the gospel that we present is not one of self-indulgence and selfishness, but it's one of self-denial. One of the best ways you can put your faith on display with unbelievers is in, is in the way that you submit to their authority when you believe that they're wrong and you're right and you submit anyway. Of course, there's a line of conscience that we can't cross. So if the law says that I have to oppress a foreigner, then what that is, then that's contrary to what the scriptures say. And so in that, there's a conflict. And so in that instance, I submit to the authority of scripture over the authority of my rulers, right? But I think so many people, uh, so many people confuse an inconvenience for an injustice. And so when it's an inconvenience, I'm called to submit every time. But, but for so many of us, we call things that are inconveniences, injustices, and in doing that, we justify not obeying them, we, and we justify not submitting. Most of, most of what we call injustice is just an inconvenience for us from the authorities. When it's an inconvenience, I'm called to submit to the authorities every single time. When it's an injustice, when it's, when it's requiring of me injustice, something that's contrary to what the, scripture, what the scriptures call justice, then and only then do I answer to a higher authority. In every other instance, I answer to the authority that God has placed over me. Friends, the only way for us to find our lives is to lose them. The only way to follow Jesus is to deny ourselves. Of course, I'm, I'm very aware that what I've spoken about this morning is not nice. I'm very aware that what I've spoken about this morning leads to suffering. I know that. Friends, the, the Christian faith is not one of self-indulgence. The Christian, one, the Christian faith is one of suffering and self-sacrifice. That's what it means to follow Jesus. A man called Sinclair Ferguson says this, suffering isn't an obstacle to God's will. Suffering is a means to achieving it. Suffering isn't, because you're suffering, because you're facing opposition, that's not an obstacle to God's purpose in your life. Very often, your suffering through self-denial is a means to God's achieving his purpose in your life. It's not an obstacle to it. When was the last time you denied yourself? Can you stand with me, please? I want to pray. The, the first step, I've spoken about denying yourself today, and the, the first step in denying yourself is recognizing that you can't save yourself. The means of salvation is beyond your reach. Perhaps you've been coming to church for a while. Perhaps you have no idea what church is about. But you've never made a decision to place all of your trust in Jesus as the only one who can forgive you of your sins and the only one who can make it possible for you to die the death that he died so that you can live the life that he lived and to be with him for an eternity. I cannot deny myself if I've never confessed my need for somebody else to save me, right? That's what it means to be a Christian. If you've never made that decision, I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or do anything. I want to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you, to pray with you, to be my privilege, to be my honor this morning. Is there anyone? Is there anyone here this morning? I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. We've got time. Thank you. Is there anybody else?
Thank you. Is there anybody else? Not in a rush. See, I spoke about being sure of our salvation. And if, if our salvation, if our eternity is, is the thing, that's not an important thing, it's the thing, the only thing that counts. I want to be sure of it. This is a first step to being sure of it. I'm going to pray with you. Can you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you know me. And even though you know me, you still choose to love me. Today I confess that I need your forgiveness. Would you make me a new person? Would you teach me how to live? Would you show me the love of the Father? In Jesus' name. Can I pray for the rest of us, please? Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for showing us a way to live. Thank you, that, thank you for the life that you lived here on earth, a life of self-denial, a life of self-sacrifice. We don't want to be hearers of your words. We want to be doers of your words. Would you help us, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, would you help us to continue to deny ourselves every day because we want to follow Jesus. We want to be people who deny themselves, who take up their cross, and who follow you, Jesus. Oh, we, we know that our lives are not our own. We know that we are bought with a price. And this morning, we lay down our rights. We lay down our rights in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.